Welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. This week we have uh, a guest, Perry Henderson from Missing Link Social Media. And the reason I, I've got Perry in, his area of expertise is in um, social media marketing, specifically Facebook marketing. A lot of the time sitting down with clients, a lot of the problems they've got in their small business are revenue and a margin problem, so they need more clients. Some of the, the things that we first discuss is the low-hanging fruit about you know being clear that we're servicing our existing client base and selling more service to, this, to those clients and, and making sure we're really um, servicing the clients we've got and fulfilling all their needs uh, where we need more clientele. So Facebook marketing is typically everyone's aware of it and many people have had a go of it. Um, and many, you know, we've heard some some success stories, but plenty of people have a go at it and kind of say, oh, no, it doesn't work, can't do it, and, and sort of give up on it. So I really thought I'd get, get one of the experts in to talk uh, for our audience today so that we can, you know, see what, what the key things are that people need to do, uh, common mistakes, and, and in what situations it can be used and, and how it can be successful. Uh, Perry Henderson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Warwick. So, um, <laughs> um, Perry, so obviously uh, the, the the founder of, of Missing Link Social Media. Yep. Um, let's talk. If people are, are thinking about that, they need, you know, what what is the most important thing, or what are the important things that people need to be aware of with, with their Facebook advertising? Sure, I think probably uh, one of the first. I guess, misconceptions that people have is that uh, Facebook is free, which it is, but uh, how much value you can actually get out of Facebook just by using it, uh, you know, to create and, and distribute organic content. Um, from when I... So Perry, you're the expert. So what are some of the most important things that, that people that are contemplating a Facebook advertising campaign uh, should consider uh, you know, what should they do? Great. So I think uh, if if we're talking about paid Facebook advertising, which I'm pretty sure we're theming this about, uh, the first thing you need to make sure you can do is track the uh, success of it in terms of dollars in the bank. Uh, a lot of people make the mistake of not installing what Facebook refers to is a Facebook pixel, which is basically a bit of code that you put into the um, header of your website. And then that's applied to all pages on your website. Um, and then there's some plugins and some other things that you can do, which I won't go into detail now, uh, that you can install to be able to track of the money I'm spending on my paid Facebook advertising, how much am I getting uh, in return? So for example, if you have a campaign that's there to drive website traffic. It's all well and good seeing how many clicks you're getting through to the website and the cost per click. Uh, but certainly what you need to know is how many sales is that generating? Um, and actually a lot of people end up making the, state, the mistake of not having that Facebook pixel in their website, uh, which has two big consequences. One is uh, you can't retarget people that visit your website. And the other is that you can't track um, how many purchases you're getting and obviously therefore what the return on the investment is that you're putting into Facebook. So I definitely say that's the, the number one mistake that people uh, make and probably the most important thing, right? Because it makes complete sense and I'll 
think I'm speaking to the right person. And you're sounding like an accountant there. I love it. I love it, Terry. <laughs> so, yeah, so you, you're talking about measuring uh, the, the, the the outcome of, of your investment. There. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can actually see you, you, that, that, that Facebook pixel that you just spoke about. Yeah. Um, is what you're saying that will actually tell you if someone has come to the site and ultimately buying yep. via via the Facebook uh, via campaign, ads. whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, a hundred percent. And those those other metrics are important. You know, the ones that the engagement metrics. Uh, some refer to them as vanity metrics. They're not. They have their place in terms of awareness and engagement, which is generally speaking the start of your funnel, right? You, you know, you, you don't necessarily just want to be going straight for the jugular all the time with your ads. Uh, monitoring, you know, likes, comments and shares and things of that nature are definitely added value to your campaigns. And you should have campaigns that are set up with the objective of specifically generating awareness uh, because once you start to generate that awareness, you can build an audience of people that you know have engaged with your page or have engaged with your ad, or have been exposed to your video. And then you can start to take those people who have engaged with your content or your ads, and then create ads that are targeting them, sending them through to the website. So rather than necessarily just putting your products in front of people, you can you know, create campaigns that are designed to uh, build trust, uh, you know, lower buyer's resistance, position you as an authority, and things of that nature, which are incredibly important if there's a decent amount of competition in the market. Um, you want to be creating that authority content and that positioning content. If you're sp- specifically, uh, if you're in the uh, B2B industry, you know, the services industry like we are, um, you can't just be creating ads, pushing your, your, your service all the time. You need to be doing some content marketing. So that's where those other metrics are really important. And that's where you need to have campaigns that are designed to build that awareness, that engagement, that trust you know, that, that no like trust kind of mentality. Sure. I talk about this, this concept of uh, just imagine, you know, a funnel, an upside down triangle, and then split it into three segments, right? And, and I call this an audience funnel. At, at the top layer, you've basically got what I refer to as a, a cold audience segment. And then in the middle layer of the upside down triangle, uh, I refer to it as a warm audience. And then at the bottom, you've got a hot audience. Um, so yeah, stick with me here. I'm going to try to, for your audience, yep. um, explain this, uh, without using visuals. Uh, so yeah, we'll start with the cold audience, you know, the, the, the largest segment at the top. So, um, really this is an audience, uh, that you're reaching for the first time. And the way that you do this is when you're creating your campaign, you can basically enter you know, interests that people have. Uh, demographics of those people in terms of their age, their gender, or the kind of typical ones, and then some other online uh, uh, buying behaviors. You know, are they active shoppers? You know, and, and things of that nature. So that's where you can get strategic about, as you would creating like a cast- customer avatar or, or a profile. You know what I mean? So it could be, uh, you know, let's use yours as, as an example, uh, you know, your accounting practice. So you might want to target uh, small business owners, which you can actually do. So a cold audience that we might create for you is uh, small business owners uh, living within 20 kilometers of Tugra. Um, and then we could stop it there. And then we might have an audience of, say, about 30,000 people. But if we wanted to, we could segment that even more, right? So we could have 
cold audience A, which is male, and then cold audience B, which is female, still matching those yep. two criteria. So that's just a quick example of a cold audience. Uh, so really what we want to be doing there, that's where you really want to be hitting people with content or ads you know, that, that are adding value to people. Uh, you don't want to just be hitting these people saying, you know, come and get your tax return, come and, uh, you know, here's our service, because you'd just be like the many others out there. They don't know what makes you different. You really have the opportunity to start building some crust. Some crust. Yeah. Talking about pizza here. <laughs> um, I had pizza last night. We are... Uh, some trust, right? So that's where you can create something that says, you know, five ways you're donating money to the ATO that you shouldn't be, or you know, the the uh, the number one opportunity for small business owners, um, or the top five metrics every small business owner should be measuring. You know, creating content yep. like that, something of value that's of interest to got it. people out there that don't know you yet. That's it, and you don't want to necessarily almost cannibalize the integrity of, of, of that content by, you know, the first half you're adding value and then the second half you're just self-promoting yourself and did it. And they, people kind of switch off. You want people thinking like, wow, this guy's generous. This guy's knowledgeable. How's he giving this away for free? I should be paying for this. This is amazing. Uh, he's obviously very good at what he does, right? That's the first impression that you want to be making with people is, is giving without asking. Yep. Because what they don't know is that as soon as they watch more than three seconds of your video or they like your comment, sorry, they like your post or they, they comment on your post, you can actually create an audience of people. And this is the warm audience. You can create an audience of people who you know have engaged with your content, right? And then that's where you can start to have the permission to start you know, sending people through to your website. It might be to your blog or it might be, you know, uh, a service specific type ad. But the idea is that the first thing you've done is you've added value, made a great first impression. And then when they engage with your content, they fall into that warm audience category, which is them either liking your page, uh, engaging one of your posts, or alternatively watching some of your video. And there's different ways you can segment it, but that's basically it cold and warm. And then the hot audience, the segment at the very bottom, uh, are the people who have visited your website or you have their contact details. And I'll explain that. So in Facebook, you can actually upload an email database and or a mobile phone database. They're kind of the two core ways that you can match um, yep. to the users in Facebook. So you, you upload a thousand, it could be uh, uh, your clients or it could be people who've subscribed to your database or whatever it might be. So you upload this data to Facebook and Facebook will match the data that it can to the actual Facebook users. Um, and that becomes powerful because then you have the opportunity to reach people who have subscribed or who are your current clients. And you talked before about maximizing the opportunity that you have with your current clients. We can yes. imagine uh, if they're already a current client, then you already have a good relationship with them. And if they start seeing the content that you're producing and promoting to them, uh, then they can, in, in, a, in a whole broad range of uh, ways, can increase things like uh, referrals, right? Because they can tag their friend, you know, check out yep. how, you know, this is what we were just talking about, you know, when we were having beers the other day. Uh, you know, here's, here's Warwick, my accountant. He knows what he's doing. So, um, and even leads, right? So you might have a database of people over the last two years who have inquired with you, but it might just not have been the right time for their business or whatever it might be. 
So you can then reach these people and start building that relationship again. Um, so, uh, and then obviously retargeting people that have visited your website. Um, they've shown a pretty significant level of intent. Um, they might be shopping around, but then especially if they're shopping around, they can go back to Facebook. Lo and behold, they're scrolling through their Facebook feed and they, they see a, a, an ad of, of yours. And um, that basically completes the full funnel, right? So the idea is what we'll do is have a strategy at each of those stages to create ads that are relevant to each stage in that customer journey. Awesome. So cold, warm, hot. Yep. Different approaches for different different people within each category. Yes. Different type 100%. of hundred percent. You've got yeah. different objectives at each end. Yeah. And right. yeah, for for the hot audience, really a good objective is trying to overcome common objections that people might have before getting started with you. Because if they visited your website and they haven't inquired, then you can put yourself in the mindset of what are the common objections or challenges that people might have before getting started with you. It might be price. It might be timing. But that's where you could have a customer testimonial video um, where the person who is talking about you is like, if it's timing, it could be a customer testimonial where they're saying, you know, initially, you know, it took us six months to get started. I wished I'd got started six months sooner because when we looked back, I was wasting so much money that I wasn't aware of by not getting started. Here we are six months later, and I know how far I would have been ahead had I got started sooner. And that's right. an objection, right? So, Yep, that makes a lot of sense. sense. So, okay, look, that makes a lot of sense, but can anyone out there do it? Like, can, can you obviously you build up a, a successful business out of this, um, but can rookies do it? Yeah, and if they can. They can. Any anyone can do it. Um, Facebook has. They don't explain it as simply as that cold, warm, hot um, segmentation. I, I basically created that so that when I meet with people for the first time, or you know, I'm, I'm presenting a solution to someone, it's visual and it's easy to understand in that framework. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you were to do research that's where it can be overwhelming because all of these components that I've just talked about are, you know, segmented, right? There's no real strategy that shows you, you know, which content you should put in front of people at each stage. But ultimately, yes, yes, anyone can. Anyone can. If you can follow a process, then you definitely can. Um, it's the, the hardest part is not knowing what you don't know, right? Unconscious incompetence. You, you yeah. don't know what you don't know. And that's where speaking to an expert can shortcut it for you. And they've already made the mistakes so that you don't have to make them uh, again. So you're getting the benefit of the experience. Yeah, yeah, 100%. um, Because, you know, and for someone such as myself, uh, what you explained made a lot of sense, but I I would hate to, I wouldn't pretend to be able to go and do it uh, at anywhere near the level that you've just described. But uh, I'd imagine Facebook's a fairly... Well, it's it's not that young a business anymore. It's it's I guess it's well over a decade old now, but constantly constantly changing and evolving. Yeah. Um, how do the experts like you? Where do you go to find your uh, to start top of things? Well, um, one we actually have a Facebook rep um, that that we liaise with on on our account. So it's always good, you know, once a week, once a fortnight, just kind of bouncing ideas off him. But that's not available necessarily to everyone but uh the two places i'd recommend for anyone uh looking to get serious about their facebook advertising in in a broad kind of beginner 
level, at that level, I'd recommend checking out a site called Social Media Examiner. It's basically a blog, right, that has almost infinite posts by a whole range of really smart people in the industry. And it's not just Facebook. Uh, it's, it's Pinterest, it's Instagram, it's YouTube. Uh, but they have a lot of thorough, helpful strategies um, that, that can help people understand, uh, you know, the 101 um, from, from a broad range of experts, right? Um, the other thing is, if you go to uh, facebook.business.com, I'm quite sure that's what it is. If you just Google Facebook business, uh, there's a Facebook has its own almost like a business knowledge base for people as well, helping them to get started with ads and content and things of that nature. So Facebook itself has a lot of really helpful resources. Um, so I'd probably go to either, I'd probably go to both of those places. Um, if I would, wanted to step it up, there's a guy called John Loomer, J-O-N-L-O-O-M-E-R. And we have an elite membership with him and Melinda, our campaign specialist, studies under him and through his course. And the stuff that they come up with is just world leading. So that's probably where, where I'd go if I was looking to step it up. And he has a lot of free content as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, and, and I'll say it for you, missing link social media. Yep.com.au. I should mention as well, right? We have a blog page on our own website. Um, and there I actually do weekly slash fortnightly video tutorials or videos on, for example, everything I just spoke about with the, uh, with the, with the audience funnel that's there in my first four blog posts. I do a video recording talking through what that is. But then as well, it's a tutorial where you can follow me on my uh, laptop where I'm actually showing you how to create those as well. So, Oh, great. Yeah. Well worth checking that out. Yeah, that's a good um, resource too. Yeah. It's probably the best resource. On <laughs> <laughs> um, now, let's just learn a bit, little bit more about yourself. So how did you get, how did you get into so, the social media? Um, it's I studied a bachelor of business um, majoring in marketing at um, the university of newcastle and in that time i knew you know kind of creative my, my best subject at um, high school was was art and both my parents were art teachers so i kind of had it in my blood to be a bit creative and i didn't know what i wanted to do when i was leaving high school so i just thought business applies pretty broadly and then the more i learned about marketing the more I gravitated towards it because I felt like it was a bit of a creative outlet at the same time. And uh, about halfway through uni, I thought, I want to start my own business. I want to give it a crack uh, before I kind of get employed. And I, uh, in that time, in my final year, actually went and studied abroad at Michigan State University. And that's where I studied social media marketing. Um because I saw such an opportunity, right? So knowing I wanted to start my own business, I was already looking at opportunities in the local market to be able to create a, a business that didn't have too much competition. And I felt like social media marketing was a, a great opportunity. I didn't see many people really nailing it or, or doing it well, businesses or you know, full service marketing agencies alike. So uh, I thought I'd that would be my best angle. And I also uh, was employed at the time 
of university. Uh, I, I was DJing, I was working in retail, but I also worked at the DJ agency, um, managing some of our clients' Facebook accounts. So that's where I kind of got a bit of professional, if you call that experience hands when I was on. at uni, hands-on. And then I got the academic side when I went to MSU. And so naturally, you know, before, I, before I'd even finished, I was already working on my business plan and straight out of university just started my business and started uh, doing some free work locally, doing some networking, getting, getting my name out there and just playing around and, and trying to help people grow their business through social media. That's yeah. basically the background of, of how, I, yeah. how, I, so how I came into it. And I, I love that you just got in there and went out and had a crack and just had the confidence. That, that, that must have taken an incredible, like Perry, Perry's only, you know, only relatively young, mid to late 20s. 29. Um, so, so that was, oh, so I, I, I started my business at the end of 2012. So yeah, coming up to six years now. So uh, great, great. So, yeah. <laughs> now, now this is the get to the contest small business podcast. So yep. for your small business, what what what's kind of like the the number one thing that that you need to just make sure that you you need to nail each and every day if you know you're going to be successful uh, and ultimately help your clients. I think it, uh, for for me, it really started with, and this is something that I. Um, completely underestimated at university and didn't take seriously until I started growing a team was an organizational chart. So having an organizational chart with roles and responsibilities, you know, delegating and having systems and processes to support the roles and responsibilities within your business. So for me, getting to the contest, I more or less act in kind of the CEO role Although we don't have any directors or anything like that at this, oh, I guess I'm a director. You're, you're the director. Yeah, which you should know. Yeah. Um, but but I'm the director, right? And CEO and founder and whatever whatever else you want to call me, right? But then I have three full-time staff that, that work under me. So uh, what I've basically done is I've got one of my guys as uh, head of operations and then I'm pretty much head of um, business development and uh, and head of finance, but then obviously that's where you know you come in, you know, and, and we liaise and that sort of thing and, and work together on that. But going beyond that, then having specific roles and responsibilities for us and looking at KPIs for each of us. That's what I think how we get to the contest is is knowing what our roles are, knowing what our responsibilities are, and then having KPIs to monitor and constantly improve on so before right it was just before i kind of created that organizational chart and got serious about it um it was uh, you know i i had the systems and the processes there uh but we just found each other treading on each other's toes and collaborating too much yeah. you know so yeah. and and what you've just described there just and uh, I suspect you have read this book, uh, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, and <laughs> I've got the audio book okay. waiting for me. Okay, well, but I well, listened to well it. I, you, what you've just described there, that there's actually a part in there around the organisational chart. Okay. And he talks about, okay, when you start out on day one, is have an organisational chart with the various roles and responsibilities and put a name in each of those boxes. Now, for those people out there with a one-person business, it will be your name in each and every box. Yes. Right? But then as you grow... Um, there will be people that can take over, role, you, know, they, 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 you know, you rub your name out, you put someone else's name in, and provided there are, and, and you, you, you summed it up, systems and 
processes and procedures yes. that are clear and it's absolutely clear who, you know, who's responsible for what, yep. um, then you're not treading on each other's toes. There's less chance of things not being done or, oh, I thought you were doing it, I thought you were doing it or or an inconsistent approach to how things are being done. Um, so I highly recommend that uh, for all of our listeners out there to, to, if you haven't read it, go and check out the myth. It, it's kind of one thing to know your roles and responsibilities, but it's another to know how much time you can allocate to them, you know, and the whole week can go by and you've realised that all you've done is worked in your business and not on your business or vice versa. And you've got all these moving parts that need to be managed, right? So uh, something that was taught to me a while ago was this concept of creating an ideal week. And it's ideal, right? It's not rigid. You don't not pick up a phone because it's not the time of the day of your ideal week to be doing so. But it's this concept of creating blocks of time in your day. So you can imagine a, a table where you've got uh, five columns and for each of the days, and then you've got uh, blocks of hours in each row. The concept of having, for example, the first hour of the day might be you know planning your day, responding to emails and that sort of thing. And then the next uh, hour might be getting all of the most important tasks of your day done in terms of your, your client work, you know what I mean? And then the next part on your on your Monday might be uh, generating uh, sales. So you might have a block of time devoted to sales. So this idea of, you know, looking across what your organizational chart is in terms of the different categories of finance, operations, uh, and, and business development, and maybe strategy as well, but then seeing what components lay under each of those and, and populating them into an ideal week as I described um, and then just having it you know printed and on your desk or on your wall or something just to remind you that uh, of, of a guide of how you should be investing your time and for me my role at the moment in my company is best spent in the business development so doing marketing for our company and doing sales for our company um, and not doing as much the business operations, you know, the technical stuff, because I've delegated the high, high majority of tasks, uh, you know, the technical stuff, the day-to-day working in your business tasks yep. to be done by my team uh, so that I can dilute my role in that category and spend my time where it's of highest value, which is managing and overseeing the finance and then also uh, the sales and the bringing, um, in the new work. bringing in the new work. Yeah, and, and, and look, and that links in with something else that you mentioned earlier. A lot, a lot of uh, businesses we talk with, oh, only I can do it. Only I can do it. The, and the, the truth is you probably are the best at uh, doing it in any small business owner. Typically, mm. they are the best at doing it. Of course. Um, the only way that's ever going to change and allow you to scale your business is the systems and the procedures and the training. So uh, I know that that's something that you're really big on. And as it allows you to then develop and at first you know you obviously get a bit of oversight to your team and the amazing thing is once you you have those in place the team start doing it as well and often even better than you can do it uh, which is perfect right mm. because then then you've got a real business that's scalable um and i love that idea around creating blocks of time uh it, and it links back uh, i don't want to sit here and quote books all day but uh, <laughs> the seven habits of highly effective people where um 
they, they talk about having important tasks and non-important tasks and then urgent tasks and non-urgent. And invariably, the urgent tasks get picked up, uh, but often um, they can be urgent but not that important in mm. the greater scheme of things. And the typical example is, oh, I got an email from a from a client or whatever, and it, it's you stop doing something. Um, and what invariably happens is your day fills up doing those urgent but not important tasks or, or even worse, um, if you're doing non-urgent and non-important tasks, they're yep. just time wasters. So in the book they say just stop, identify those and just never do them <laughs> yep. again. Um, Slap on but, the wrist, move on. Yeah, yep. and, and again, this is the Get to the Contest uh, Small Business Podcast and that is exactly what we're about, finding out what is really important and making sure you nail that and then everything, all the other distractions, they'll look after themselves if we're nailing the important stuff. So yeah. really cool. Um, what, what bit of tech can't you live without? It'd be, it sounds like a, a systems addict, and my team will tell you I, I am to a degree, but Asana, so there's project management software that we use called Asana, and this is what we live and breathe off in, in our organization because it's it's a concept of creating tasks, delegating those tasks, having due dates for those tasks, and then having subtasks that kind of more or less complete the process that you need to fulfill. And they can be recurring, they can be templatized, right? So whenever we get uh, a new client on, someone who wants to work with us, we actually have a template that says new client template and it has sections the whole way through from uh, invoicing and getting the signature to onboarding, to strategy, to advertising, to content, to, and they're just the sections. Under each of those sections, we have tasks to be completed in order of how they need to be completed. And so when, whenever we get, we get the, the verbal yes from a client, straight away we duplicate the project and we have the whole thing mapped out in front of us in terms of what needs to be done. And then our account manager, Raf, will go through and assign tasks and then we'll have a team meeting. And then before you know it, we've got everything that needs to be done in front of us. So so really uh, process-driven way from the client's perspective. It's great, I guess, because it's all happening super efficient, looks professional, things don't get forgotten. Um, because it's very clear who's responsible for what, and you can you can see it all in the one. So um, I, I really love that. Um, yeah, that's uh, my. Yeah. It's, I don't know what I'd do without it. Yeah. Okay. Asana. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and and we we have a similar thing here that we use in our business, but yeah, you you've really got to you just got to nail it because there's too much to mm. remember. Right. Mm. Um, so just as important, I'll just add as well. Something that was taught to me a while ago is having a system for systems. Right. So this concept of uh, empowering people to update systems, but then also having um, a structure to do so, you know, saying um, why it needs to be done, the consequences if it's not done, uh, what needs to be done, you know, how it needs to be, that, that sort of thing. Yep. So this idea, I, I should remember off the top of my head, but I can't. But the whole concept is that people are constantly going in and updating systems and, and processes uh, based on 
what changes in the landscape of technology or our own research and development. We might find that this task should be done before that task, or you know, maybe we should say this instead of that, or do this instead of that. So um, I think empowering people and uh, in, in, in holding people accountable to updating systems is, is just as important as having the systems because otherwise it's just like the business plan that gets created once, left in the top drawer and gathers dust. Uh, same thing with systems and processes. You know, if you've got project management software, everyone needs to be dedicated to updating that and you need to have a guide around how they should be doing so. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, because uh, I've heard someone say, as soon as you've, you've printed out a policy and procedure, it's out of date. <laughs> so you know you want to, you want to be able to have it live where people can find it though, yeah, and and obviously edit it if it's appropriate to edit. So uh, and, and look, just just lastly, you 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 are a relatively young man, um, uh, despite running a, a successful business that's been a, a open for uh, six plus years. Um, but what what advice would you give yourself from from sort of uh, well, it says. You know, Twenty years ago, what, what are you, you going to tell nine-year-old Perry about about life? I, I think I think one of the most powerful things that I learned to do was uh, read between the lines and and think objectively. Right. So when when you're having a conflict with someone, not just seeing it for face value, but understanding that it's generally coming from a deeper place, and and if you can kind of think objectively about the situation that you're in and not just react to the same level of emotion that they are, but you be the, you take the high road, you become, and you, you understand that it might just be because they're having a shit day or because they had an argument before they came to work or because they're getting picked on at school or whatever it might be. Normally there's a deeper reason and you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. And I think the same thing can be said in working with clients and account management and and a broad range of dealing with relationships in general. Um, Just, and even thinking about where that deeper place could be, you know what I mean? So you you don't always have to answer or react to what's going on, you know, face value, but just saying, is there something else going on here? Because you just kind of seem to be overreacting. You, You know what I mean? So I think, Across all relationships, that's probably one of the most powerful things that I've learned to do. Um, in, yeah, if you're talking about life, yeah. oh, that's that's great, uh, Perry. You're wise beyond your years. <laughs> uh, so, look, uh, thanks for your time today on the podcast. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Uh, check out my blog. Subscribe to my blog. Alternatively, which uh, is where do we find it? Oh, so missinglinksocialmedia.com.au. Um, if you head there, oh, slash blog, I think it is. If not, go to the homepage and just click blog. But when you go to that page on the right, there's a few different ways that you can connect. Uh, one is you can uh, visit my Facebook group. So I actually have a free uh, Facebook ads training group on Facebook where I upload my video content and people can ask me questions about anything that I've spoken of today or anything in general. So that's a great resource. There's only about 200 people in it at the moment. I haven't done any advertising for it yet. It's just grown organically, but I've got about 15, 20 videos in there of some of the things that I've spoken about today. Um, it's also on my YouTube, but you know, jump in that group if you like. Alternatively, if you just want an email every now and then, just sign up for my blog 
and uh, I'll send you through my emails once I do them around tips. Um, but yeah, based based in the same building as you as well, mate. So people are always more than welcome to just rock up on the spot, you know, knock on suite 405 and ask for me. <laughs> that's, that's more than fine as well. Awesome. All right. Well, look, thanks, Perry. And uh, we, we, we look forward to implementing some of those great tips uh, around Facebook advertising. Thanks for your time, mate. And I, I love your blog. And sorry, your, um, your podcast, yeah, big fan and uh, uh, very grateful that you're sharing your knowledge. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was my uh, interview with Perry Henderson from Missing Link Social Media. Uh, some key takeaways from our chat with Perry. There's a, a whole lot of nuggets of gold in there. So we'll pick a couple of the ones that, that I, I thought were really worth uh, focusing on. So, um, look, number one, just target and track your activity so you can measure your return on investment. Now, Perry mentioned, uh, you know, making sure you use the Facebook Pixel, and I'm sure there are other, other uh, advertising tools that you can do that will allow you to uh, measure your return on investment because the worst thing that can happen is you just keep throwing money at something that's not working or something is working and for whatever reason you go and stop it because you're not measuring it. Um, number two is Perry talked about having a cold, warm and a hot um, audience. So tailor uh, specific campaigns to the, the audience. So um, go deeper um you know, give, give broad, generalised content of value to people at, at a cold level, and then as people engage with you, you, uh, you have their permission and to uh, be more direct around, you know, your products or services and getting them across the line for an actual sale. Um, on that point, Perry talked about it's really important to give value first. So give value first, make it worthwhile for someone to listen and, and engage with what, you do, what you're giving them. Uh, don't come on too strong. Don't ask them for the sale on the first date. Um, and, uh, you know, that is a way of building trust with your audience. People will see through it if they just see you. You're just going out there to, to sell. No one likes being sold to. Uh, now, four, uh, Perry talked about, you know, like, I, I really think you should get an expert. If, if you're not, get an expert to help you with this. But if you are going to have a crack at it, check out some of the, the, the sites that Perry mentioned. So one was the uh, socialmediaexaminer.com. Uh, obviously jump onto Perry's site Missing Link Social Media and subscribe to his free videos and content so there's some really cool stuff there and also uh, facebook.business.com I think uh, Perry said there's actually some uh, some cool advertising links there one other thing Perry touched on that was critical in his business which I just loved and we spent a bit of time talking about it was just having an organisational chart so everyone knows their position their responsibilities that everyone knows their job knows their roles and knows the processes, policies, and procedures around it. If you can nail that, your life as a business owner will be so much easier. So uh, I mentioned in the podcast uh, interview, uh, Michael Gerber, E-Myth. If you haven't read it and you're a small business owner, uh, stop what you're doing, go and invest uh, 30 bucks or buy it on an audio audio book and just make sure that you, you, you listen to that. It will, it will be uh, really uh, life-changing for you and your business. Uh, and key thing Perry talked about was also planning your ideal week and that around is you know planning out what what you do that's of most value if you're doing low value work uh, and it's taking up too much of your week well plan some 
set some time aside to do the high value work. In, the, in there we talked about doing the important but non-urgent tasks, the ones that typically get ignored or put to the back because no one's chasing you for it, even though they are highly, highly valuable to the business and are going to create uh, scale, you know, scalability and capacity for your business into the future. Really important that you set the side, have the discipline and set time aside for that. So get your ideal week of it uh, established, make your team aware of it and you know commit to it. Uh, and lastly, uh, and this one's for, for not only uh, business but, but personal as well, but uh, business is all about relationships. So Perry just talked about, you know, difficult relationships or dealing with difficult people. Dig deeper and you know, seek first to understand how they're going. So uh, life's all about relationships and if you want to have a better, better life, and, you know, better business life, better personal life, uh, asking those questions and seeking first to understand is is just so important and I, I think there's something in there from Perry, so really good there. So look, there's some of the takeaways from the chat with Perry. Hope you got something out of the, uh, the podcast and we look forward to you joining us for the next episode.